Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, where we talk wine, we talk story, we talk places, and talk to the people that have made Paso Robles Wine Country the best place to taste and experience authentic California wine country. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. And we've been growing world-class grapes here for decades. Grapes that for decades would be in the biggest names from Napa and more. We started putting them in a bottle and blowing up. And now when you consider the people here, the vibe, and the experiences you get in Paso wine country, it makes perfect sense. That Paso would be exactly right where it is now. And that is on top, baby. I tell you, this podcast, which celebrates wine and Paso, isn't doing too bad itself either. And that's because of you. Please continue to share the podcast with a friend. Even now, hit that little square thing with the line out of it. Share with one person and let them know that you thought of them. And anytime you or anyone rates, reviews, and subscribes to the podcast, the little algorithm elves, they go aggro, they love it, we love it, and it takes us even further. We're the fastest growing wine podcast in the country. And yes, these guests obviously are insanely interesting, but we cannot do this without you. So thank you. Today, another deep dive conversation I'm just pumped about. Last week, we talked to Justin Smith of Saxum. If you didn't hear that episode, you gotta. It was a lot of fun, and it goes right into this one in a lot of ways, too. Today, we talked to Matt Trevison of Lene Colotto. So there's history here with Justin, and they actually started Lene Colotto together. So I want to ask all about that. I want to ask how that band breaks up, see where wine took Matt, because I learned he was another one of these stories that has so many interesting paths with opportunities and people he met. I just can't wait to take you inside to Lene Colotto as we talk to who they call the professor in just a few minutes. First, though, I want to have a quick chat with my friend, Joel Peterson. He's been on the show many times before. He's the executive director of the Paso Robles Wine Country Alliance, also the executive producer of this here podcast. And as that magic and fantastical date of June 15th nears, I wanted to check in with him and talk for a few minutes in case you're thinking of making that next trip to Paso soon. Cheers, Joel. Good to see you, man. Cheers. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I'm really excited about today's show. I mean, Matt Trevison. Yeah, it's going to be good. Matt's an interesting guy, super cool winemaker. Just, you know, been here for, for years and years making some, some cool old school blends, too. Yeah. And the stories, I mean, he's an old um, alum from so many different places that are just like, you know, yeah, castle he history he here. Justin, he was at Wild Horse, I think. I mean, yeah. he's got so many cool stories. And oh. he, of course, threw, you know, throws in, in pre COVID times an epic harvest party that we've all kind of, you know, rubbed shoulders at and tried some cool old wines at. And, and Mark Adams is always playing. And it's just a fun, fun yeah. hang with, with Matt and his team. So I can't wait for that. I wanted to talk to you before we got into our conversation with Matt Travis and Felene Colotto about Paso and all the different things going on here and ways we're getting folks open. I mean, I know Paso has been open for a little while, but I know with the big June 15th deadline, it's like the yeah, curtains are rolling back. Exactly, right? I mean, it's almost like we've kind of been open because people have wanted to escape bigger areas like LA, you know, San Francisco, Fresno. But officially, you know, June 15th around the corner. Uh, we've partnered with Travel Paso. They've got a really cool program coming out. We're basically kind of reopening, you know, Paso Robles, reopening wine country and doing a bunch of cool billboards around. We're doing some drive campaigns to get people back up here and just talking about how, how amazing Paso is. I mean, incredible accommodations, wine country experiences, outdoor things. I mean, there's all kinds of, there's parks, there's the water slides, there's hiking trails up here. There's And then all the Lines. Of course, yeah. Zip lines. Of course, just like the vineyards and the, yeah. and the views for days. And even the places that don't, you know, not all wineries uh, can have, you know, 14,000 acres to put zip lines through. Right. But 
So many wineries are thinking so outside the box, using their unique grounds, people, uh, hobbies, talents, yeah. where they are in in Paso, and they're using them to create experiences that really they, they really elevate just the, the whole wine tasting. Yeah, it's been like it's just it's forced like creativity, and innovation, right? Like yeah. you've gone to places that maybe even have an more of an urban feel, and they've got little sitting areas of like like bamboo and like you know private little areas where they bring you wine, you know, where you pour it yourself, and you feel like you're in this oasis, even if you're kind of in an urban area like Tin City or something. Mm-hmm. But then even outside, if you go to those, these places that have vineyards, they've created these cool places under oak trees, out in the crush pad, you know, beyond the tasting room where you're just literally feeling like you're like a winemaker for the day. And we're really seeing a lot of people come and visit up here. Yeah. Yeah, Memorial Day was awesome. Oh, it's been so cool. I mean, I'm getting numbers from our, our partners that say like, this is the busiest they've ever been in Paso. Yeah. Dang. Pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. So, um, travelpaso.com? Yeah, there are partners. I mean, if you want, you book some lodging, all the hotel partners are on there. And our I mean, hotel game is super strong now. It's awesome. I mean, I mean, we've got the classics, but we've got a lot of new things going on. For sure. Piccolo's open, Stables in. I mean, just Oxford Suites is open. I mean, there's some cool spots in Paso. I mean, even though they may even have like a corporate name, but they're just they they're, they're super like quaint and, and super awesome. I did some um, wine tasting stuff in Paso a few weeks ago. I live in Slow, and I stayed at the Spring Hill Suites. Oh, that's a cool place too. And yeah. like, they totally got like a this you know wine country, Paso wine country vibe. Like, it was rad. It was a great stay. Yeah, they understand like where they sit is right in the heart of like the, that where that corridor. Is. You can go east side, you can go west side, in Tin City downtown. I mean, all the places in Paso are so close. I love it. So go to travelpaso.com and really put together your next trip to Paso. And then of course you got to go to PasoWine.com yeah. because there's so many resources there that talk about all the wineries. And if it's a special weekend, you're searching by activity and day. Like you, I, I tell people like you cannot come up here without hitting up PasoWine.com and just like, you know, taking a ride for a minute and surfing around no, for a bit. Thank you. Absolutely. That's what, that's what we're here for. Just to make sure people come here, explore the wine country and book their next trip, invite their friends. You know, we're open. It's, it's time. We are open. It is time. Executive director, Paso Robles Wine Country Alliance and executive producer of this podcast. We've got Joel Peterson here. Always great to catch up with you and uh, we got to do it again soon my man do it man have fun with matt the team i'm sure you're gonna try some killer wines and then have a good time so i can't wait Cheers. cheers many thanks to joel peterson for the conversation for his hard work along with his team at paso wine who i love and for allowing me to be the voice here for paso wine country all right you ready for this show oh i feel like i need to be pinched when I think of these last few episodes. And man, today is another one for the books. Lene Colodo, one of those winery names. I always kind of like, I hope I'm saying that right. You know, it's kind of like when you start, you know, Movedre. Mo, no, it's Movedra. Oh, oh, screw it. I'm just going to say Moved. Lene Colodo started in the late 90s. It was started by Matt Trevison, who still obviously maintains the brand, and Justin Smith, who you heard last episode from Saxum. And we're going to get the lowdown on how they met, where wine took Matt, how this brand has maintained over all these years the popularity and respect as one of Paso's high-end premium brands that are leading the way. I show up to Lene Colotto, and Matt is on the crush pad and ready to go. He let me bring my dog, Georgie, and he has an old boy named Rocket, who is super sweet and super polite. But the mood sobers some when Matt tells me he just had to put his 16-year-old dog, Marley, down less than 48 hours ago. She was a good girl. 16, she was the alpha dog of the family and of Rocket, kind of Rocket's big sis. In the sense, Marley was the leader of the pack there. So Rocket is still, you know, kind of getting used to things and the way things are now, as I know Matt and Maureen and the family are too. And if you know, if you have dogs, you know, then you know. 
These dogs to us, nothing short of family. And these dogs to these wine men and women, I mean, they're everything. They know your routines. They know where to be or maybe more importantly, where not to be when you're backing up on the forklift. They know when you're done in the vineyard and when you open up that truck bed, they better run and jump if they're going to get that ride back. They sit up and look at you. They follow you, lay next to you when you're walking visitors through the barrel room to taste. They have countless books on vineyard dogs, and it's because they matter. People care about them. They're family members. They play a role in the character of the winery. They play a major role in the winemaker's life. And if you love dogs like I do, I believe they play their own role in the terroir of the whole grand scheme of things. So this episode is dedicated to Marley. At 16 years old, her job was done. She crossed the Rainbow Bridge, and to Marley we say, well done, good girl. We pile in Matt's truck. He took me all over the west side to all his estate fruit. Super cool, not only to see these vineyards that aren't open to the public, but to see the enthusiasm in which he talks to me about them. Whether it's his world-class grapes, his olive trees here or over there, or even his veggies, he's proud, he's happy, he's home when he is in this space. And he makes me feel at home by offering me some of his veggies. He quickly stops the truck, gets out, gets a little gardening shovel, starts picking me some garlic, some red onions, some white onions. I just thought this was like the nicest gesture. And tonight I'm celebrating this episode being published, cooking with Lene Colotto veggies and drinking some Lene Colotto wine. How's that? Thanks, Matt. We make our way back onto the crush pad, into the winery, and into the break room, which has these super comfy leather chairs. Comfiest break room I've ever seen, but it's still a winery. We're on concrete floors. I did not know this at the time, but those concrete floors will be very helpful later on when I spill and break a whole bottle of wine. I know. Uh, Matt went into the library for this show too. Damn, I'm seeing wines from 2011, 2013. He even surprised me with a couple of wines, vintage 1998, baby, during the show. Can't wait. Let's go. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by We pass on round till the job is Camped out in the trees It will simplify and good company Your wine keys are good. These are step up uh, from the normal wine keys. You can take that home with you. Really? Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, like when you go to a restaurant and they have like, wait a minute, these pens are not like normal pens. These are pretty dope pens. It's a pretty, yeah, it's important. Okay, so where's your glass? Glass is uh, right here. I want you to taste this for me. And I can tell you what it is first. I don't want to like make you do a parlor trick and tell me what it is. But I can tell you or you can guess whatever you want. But I really want you to tear this wine Oh, no. Up, yeah. I'm supposed to tear it up? Is this like a trick? No, it's really not a trick. I, I'm not going to tell I, you like... <laughs> I, I am the person that likes everything and every wine and always try to find something that's... Okay, uh, well, we can do that that's, first. That's, uh, that's special about a wine. And oh, I like that. I, I find very little um, to dislike in any wine, and um, that's probably why I'm just a winemaker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what do you get when you smell this wine here? In my world, it's... Uh, it's it's got got a little apricot fruit in there, really ripe apricot fruit, I think, in there, and then, uh, but also it has a apricot. Uh, yeah, a, it has like a that. backbone of something that's uh, that you used to smell in uh, in Sauvignon Blanc quite a bit. Yeah, uh, and uh, it sits on the edge and um, might be a, a sulfur generated compound or something. But it's not a Sauvignon Blanc, but I'm feeling like it's tasting more like one as I get into them more. No, I can so, tell you so, what it is. I don't need to quiz you. Okay. Like, I, I don't yeah, want you to tell me what it is. It's tell a peak pool blanc. It is peak pool blanc. Yeah. Wow. 
Where's the acid? I know it's supposed to be really high in acid. Yeah. It, it didn't get to you. I mean, it's not. It's not really high in acid. Okay. No, it's not. 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 Uh, the TA is not really high on it. Pete Cool Blanc, twenty four hours on the skins. Okay, on whole cluster too. Yeah. Okay. So, so stems were included on it there for a while. Uh-huh. Yeah, that helps yeah. a little bit. Potassium there. And um, Audrey and I made this. Cool. It is, again, I mean, it's our Where first one. Uh, Halter Ranch. Okay. Peak Pool. Very uh, cool. 2018. It's um, the first wine we've made together. So I literally, when it's having someone like you taste it, I'm far more, it's far more advantageous of me to have you pick it apart rather than just tell me no. it's good because I'm the radio guy. You know what I mean? No, so, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't like picking things apart. I think everyone, uh, every wine's subjective. It's totally subjective if, if you look at how. All the wines that I make, and I, I pick them all apart, but that's why it's hard for me sometimes to enjoy wine because I'm so critical of them from a winemaking standpoint. I made it at that. Valia's place okay. and um, pressed it probably right after she pressed Sauv Blanc. Yeah. I almost get like a grassy kind of gooseberry thing in there that's a little Sauv blanc Do you get that too? A, a little bit, yeah. You, you're making me want to go grab my, my Peak Pool Blanc. That you I got have. a Peak Pool oh, Blanc? Well, I, got, I got Contrarian. It's Peak Pool Blanc and Grenache Blanc. Oh. And it's got, it's got, I'm sure it's better it, than this. It's got, no, no, no. It's all, they're all good. Okay, so if you, all, all but you're too nice. You, you can't, you're being too nice. Adam, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer in that uh, that trying is more important than uh, than anything. And and uh, so, would you drink and, a bottle of this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're would tripping me out? Oh my yeah, god! No, absolutely. I, I have no problem. I mean, it's uh, wine is a journey. It's about it's about the experience of of uh, and the excitement of of uh, making it. For me, it's about the excitement of growing it and then watching it mature into uh, a bottled wine and watching the faces on on uh, the consumer. I that's why I think I enjoy barrel tasting so much. Yeah, it's just because I can go down through barrel rows and and show everybody what I'm working on and and go from vessel to vessel and go from new oak to old oak to you know to to neutrals and yeah, the process and, is really fun, isn't it? I can't even imagine someone who does it on like a normal basis. I want to do one in 21. I definitely want to make a wine in 21. I think it'd be fun to do like a Roussan or some sort of white blend. Uh-huh. But Roussan, um, yeah, I, I, I did a lot of Roussan uh, for a while there. It's a that's a tricky one. It's I, I always ended up with um I two two things and I and uh, maybe it was poor winemaking that that hit me the hardest. But uh, I always ended up with like a little bit of RS at the end. And no matter if I picked it at at twenty two bricks, twenty one and a half bricks, or picked it at picked it at twenty six, I tried both ways because I couldn't figure out why I couldn't go through. But I was also doing a lot of native and I was doing a lot of, uh, of skin soaks, 24 hour skin soaks on it. Mm-hmm. And I, th- if you try it, I'd recommend you don't do that. Okay, and, so it, you, and, and you, it'd be reason, so funny. Everybody I would ask, like, hey, I'm going to do peak pool with some skin contact. And they would just be like, no, don't. And Audrey tasted a Felangina from Raff uh, years ago and just loved, like, the white phenolics, the mouthfeel. And she was, you know, pretty much, like, I really want to do a white with skin contact. And I said, I just want to make a wine with you. Let's do it, you know. So I found peak pool, and we just, we did it. That's cool. You know, so it's a fun story. And I mean, you know, sometimes I'll open the bottle and it's like, oh, it's great. Sometimes I go, oh man, I wish, I wished our first wine was a little, you know, I liked it a little bit more, but it's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's cool. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Got to start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Do you like to drink your whites a little bit warmer than the fridge? I do. I drink everything 
seller temp. Good for you. Every, that's, everything yeah, I make, that, that's where, that's where I pro. blend them at. That's where I, that's where I live at. So you, it's, so when you're up at the house, you'll put a red in the fridge for maybe 20 minutes. I have a wine cellar. So yeah, it Perfect. comes right out of there and goes right in the glass. And yeah. I always feel like the experience is starting there at that, that 55, 58 degree temperature range. And if you decide you want it warmer, you just put your hand on it. You're, you're 98 degrees. Right. And so if you want to warm it up, you can hold it the whole time and bring it up to 98 degrees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Right. And so so it's going to go on a journey. And I think that sometimes when people say the wine's opening up, it's just actually a temperature uh, curve happening on it and that the molecules are, are getting farther distance and your taste buds then. Yeah. Because you have, you, have you have a finite number of taste buds, right? Sure. And, and those, they're distanced apart. And when you change the, the molecular structure to be farther apart because it's warmer you're going to end up with a different experience. You are... Um, so did you hear any, have you heard any of the podcasts before? I've heard a few of them, yeah. My, my wife was listening to uh, the Neil and, and Mark Adams show. Okay, so I talked to Mark Adams today, and he says um, there was a sandwich named after you uh, called The Professor. Uh, that was this, this yeah. was a nickname for yeah you. also i had trevor sandwich it was my trevor sandwich <laughs> that was my wild that was one of my wild horse nicknames but you're uh, oh, you're a wild horse alum oh yeah oh yeah, All yeah the cool i kids started are. started Lene Coloto at wild horse really i could tell you that one too oh yeah. we're going to talk about oh. where Lene Coloto started and um but where did the nickname professor come from because I like to profess everything. <laughs> no, no. I think it came from Chris Cherry, actually. I think, uh, I think Chris being, uh, he likes to... Uh, he was like, another great episode. He likes to tease, uh, tease me, and I get teased a lot in my life. Uh, I don't know if we call it bullying, but, uh, <laughs> but I get teased a bit. I like to uh, I like to know how things work, and I like to think about how things work. And so, when working in places I, uh, and having anyone that's that's learning, I always like to explain why we're doing the process and what the purpose is, and, and what the future is. And yeah, you know, it doesn't matter if we're wiring a pump, uh, changing a frequency drive, or or doing. Um, were you like this as a kid? Yeah, I took everything apart. I took computers apart from the minute. Even minute. a boy. Yep. I, I, and, I, and I didn't always have the right tools, so that made it a little bit difficult at times because I, I pretty much uh, uh, commandeered every uh, utensil in the kitchen for screwdrivers and things to, uh, to take things apart. And you know, when you get into the really tiny screws, it makes it really tough. <laughs> so when you're, yeah, you're so, using like eyeglass <laughs> screwdrivers. Yeah, but I didn't have those. Yeah. So I, had to, I had to fab them up. Where did you first, where did wine take you in, in, the, in the beginning stages? I mean, was it Wild Horse? I mean, obviously. Obviously, I want to talk about, you know, the you and Justin first doing Lene Colodo. Uh-huh. And I mean, wh- where does this all begin for you? Okay. So I went to Cal Poly. I was in uh, Sierra Madre dorms and uh, in the dorms was uh, Matt Ortman and uh, Steve Burgess. Yeah. Oh, really? Burgess I love Matt. He's Napa. a great dude. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, those two guys were in the dorms and I remember going over to... Uh, parties and playing hacky sack and and drinking some hacky sack playing some of the and drinking those wines were you good i was never good at hacky sack marginal yeah yeah you could hang you could hack but i like i liked hanging out you know i like i like I like. I have to do something. Now, Matt Ortman, his, his dad was Mr. Chardonnay. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, yeah. so this was your connection, at least in your college years, that's, into like that wine window of like, oh, Matt's dad is. Yeah, that's freshman year. Oh wow, that's freshman year. Then, uh, then sophomore year, I'm working at. Uh, well, I guess at the end of freshman year, I was working at KCPR Cal Poly Radio there. Nice. And I uh, probably shouldn't say that. On, Why? I don't, I don't know. Can I? Well, yeah, I can. 
This, yeah. isn't, this isn't your crash thing. No, it's okay. You can see, even this if it was the crash, it's fine. Oh, you could say other radio stations. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, Whatever. Cool. It's okay. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I'm trying to be polite here. No, don't. Okay. So, uh, so I'm working there, and uh, there's a. I needed a room to stay in. I I just come back from uh, from skiing in Utah for a quarter, and I needed a place to stay. And I went into KCBR, and on the board there was a room for rent, and uh, it was a funny, funny advertisement and uh i said i'll go check that out and it was uh at a place called the blue house it was out off of uh broad and lawrence street it used to be like a daycare center for a little bit that house was uh was the the blue house and the blue house had a little abandoned building in the back with a with a uh with a pool table in it and a uh and a bootlegged uh living is this literally on the corner literally on the corner of broad and lawrence yep oh man literally on the corner yeah yeah. What a trip. Yeah, it is um it was a uh, a cool place and so who I met there was uh, Justin Smith. So he lived in that house and uh we would uh we would hang out and drink wine around a pool table in the back late at night. Another person just completely connected and his dad. Yeah, I had you know. no idea. I had no idea at the time and and uh around a pool table we'd we'd pass this bottle of wine and uh it was uh it was called Cherry Zen. And cherries in, we just swig it, just in, you know, unlabeled bottles that, because it's like sixteen, seventeen percent that Pebble was making. Yeah, and oh, we did. It was Ale- we also had Alicante that sure. was coming from Leona's Vineyard at the time, and and uh, I had no idea about wine, <coughs> but I knew I knew it was fun. Yeah, I knew whatever we were doing was really fun, and and Justin would uh, invite his college buddies to come help pick when they went to pick the Chardonnay for Fetzer and the, uh, and the Pinot Blanc up there that they originally had planted. And so I was just talking to Jake Fetzer cause he heard the last episode with, uh, with Justin. Awesome. And he was sweating. He sent me some Masoot. Actually, I just got it in the mail today. I like his wines a lot. He does. Have you had his Masoot? I have. The Pinot Noir. I Chardonnay. Yeah, he contacted me uh, a while back, and that okay. was, uh, I would need to catch up with him. He's just such a great guy. And uh, sharing some of these stories, you know, from his dad, Bobby Fetzer, and, you know, who's super tight with Pebbles, Justin's dad. And so, I mean, the way, I mean, God, it's such a small world. Yeah, it was really, really small world, and I still didn't know what, what industry I was going into yet. Yeah. I, I just went up there, and, and uh, we picked up the bendejas, and and uh, would would throw them into the gondolas as we picked, and it was a, a fascinating experience for me. I really enjoyed it, and it was we were moggers, we were you know material other than grapes pulling it out, and I was like, okay, cool, 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 and and uh, that was that was just something I connected to. Yeah, I really like being outdoors and I like running around out there and helping and uh, doing manual labor. It was actually really fun for me. There was a purpose driven yeah, and then, with it. That's cool. And then uh, time kind of continued on and, and the story's kind of long sometimes, but uh, started studying biochemistry at Cal Poly and I worked in the chemistry stock rooms. I was a geek. I was a full on geek. And I worked in the uh, inorganic and chemistry stockrooms, and my supervisor in those stockrooms was Lori Levine. And her husband, Robert Levine, was grower relations for Fetzer. Or, for, not sorry, sorry, backwards there, for Robert Mandavi. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry, Pebble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pebble, Pebble was grow relations for Fetzer. Right, right, and, right. And I, uh, it was interesting. I mean, I think that she saw how good I was at cleaning uh, chemistry glassware and said, <laughs> you know, Matt, you should really think about the wine industry. And I said, what? 
okay, I'll take a look at it, I guess. I didn't know what I thought I was going to go do organic synthesis and, and continue on in schooling and, yeah. and uh, make drugs. I thought that's what's going to be my, uh, my, I wanted to go out and find natural products and, and uh, synthesize them and save the world from uh, all diseases. And, and that, like into pharma. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's from a chemistry I, background. That's, wow, that's what I thought I wanted to do at one point, and uh, you know, early on, I thought I wanted to make airplanes. I wanted to build airplanes. But you fly now? I do you fly airplanes. Yeah, I learned to, to fly that. in college. That's yeah. so cool. So, when do you meet up with Justin and go, "Hey, let's let's get on something together. Let's try this." Is that a big jump? It is a big jump there because because I still haven't gone to Justin Weiner yet. Oh shoot! Yeah, and, see, or Wild stories long, man. We got we got six episodes for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, so you're no. at Justin. So yeah, Justin yes. in the in the old days, we're talking Steve Glossner. Steve Glossner. Yep. Steve Glossner, Debbie, Justin, and yeah. uh, and Paul Sowerby. Yeah. And, it was it was a really interesting. Was that your first gig? That was my first place. I I approached them. Uh, I sent our resume on a on a Friday. Got called uh, on Saturday. Got a job on Monday for a couple thousand dollars a, a month. That uh, that basically provided me an apprenticeship, and I was to learn under winemaker Steve Glossner. Yeah, okay. I, and I made a deal that you know I made a deal that said after a year of this, I'll be the assistant winemaker here. And they said, sure. <laughs> I said, oh, that'll be cool. That'll be awesome. Oh, man, look at this. So I worked my tail off for that, that year, and I, and I worked all the time. And, and uh, the first the, the, the question that really, uh, that really got the job for me was that they said, Justin Baldwin looked at me across the table and says, can you drive a forklift? And I looked at him, and I said, I can't drive a forklift, but I can fly a plane. <laughs> that is so good. So I think I can, I can learn. And so what I didn't realize is how much forklift I was going to be driving. Yeah. So starting off, I, uh, I learned to drive forklift and it is a, uh, you must be a wizard on that thing now. I am formula one. Yeah. Qualified. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I could have a class on it. Yeah. It's a, uh, do you have a nice forklift, or do you have like an old relic? You know, no, I have I have two nice forklifts, and I'm really into speed on my forklifts. Um, dangerous speed. You want the of, you want the horsepower? Uh, yeah, I worked at Justin there for two years as an apprentice. I learned a ton. Steve Glossner taught me a, a, a ton of information. I was a firecracker. I was uh, alive and kicking and and uh, fighting for for my position. When I that first year uh, finished up, uh, I was uh, I became the assistant winemaker. You know what changed in my job? What? Nothing. It just got a title. Just, just keep going. Just yeah. keep going. You just keep keep doing the same work, and and that's the beauty of it. Is that that's what I learned? Is that it doesn't matter what your title is. You just you do the work that needs to be done out there, and, and I showed up early my first day of work at Justin Weiner. I showed up like two hours early, damn. Or Steve showed up two hours late. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and I, Justin Baldwin handed me a broom, and I started sweeping. Uh, and and bless my father that as a kid I had to clean the garage, and be a janitor as a kid. And I knew how to sweep. So I swept and swept and swept and swept. Waiting. Like Miyagi, sweep the floor. Yeah, waiting for, waiting for Steve to show up and, and uh, taught me. That, that one moment in time taught me a lot about being a college graduate. I hand brooms to, 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 uh, to new employees all the time. And, and if they're listening, they should take note. That's super good, a, yeah. important part because, uh, 
Yeah. Do you find this generation, do you find millennials or Gen Z, you hand them that broom and they go like, what am I, what do you, what do you want me to do with this? I, I, I'm your wine intern. There, there's a little bit more instruction being in, has, has to be included. I don't know if there's any YouTube videos on how to sweep, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, winemaking is 90% cleaning and, and uh, five, right. five art, five, five science. What, what do you think? Do you think it's five art, five science? Because so, I, mean, I was talking about this with Laventure and Stefano I also had Guillaume from, of course, Close to Lynn and uh, Binome, and they differed. In opinion on this, whether uh, winemaking is indeed a craft or is it indeed an art? It's a mix. I mean, it's a, it's it's an obvious. Is, does it lean obvious, heavier on one side? It's it's a craft because there's there's parts of it that are very uh, mechanical and that you need to understand how things operate. You have to have a little bit of an engineering mind at times. I think to understand your pumps and your systems. And if we include if we include farming with winemaking, which I do. Mm-hmm. Of course, it takes it to a whole nother level because now it's welding and 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 knowing all these different skill sets and being able to fab things up and and put them together so you can get operational and and have low downtime. Okay, so you leave Justin. How do you leave Justin? What's going on there? Uh, well, I leave Justin and uh, and I need to go see the world. I need to go. Uh, I need to go venture out. I'm, so you I'm, left I'm Justin not, on your own volition? Yes, I did the first time. Okay. Yeah, the first time. I left there twice. Oh, wow. So you, yeah. went back. You, yeah. a, you go back yeah. at some point. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's good to be a... I told you I was alive and kicking. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, I left there the first time I needed to go see the world. I, I was emotionally uh, tired, I think, and I needed to uh, to go out. So I went back to San Diego for a few months, uh, moved in with the parents for a bit there, lived in my car for a bit, Damn. Uh, bought a longboard and just surfed every day, and I bought the Wall Street Journal every day and would just read it and take my dog to the beach, put my dog on the beach. He'd just roam while I went surfing and then i'd come back out and and uh we'd go ahead head back up and sit around and read read the newspaper we didn't have anything to do the wall street journal unless though yeah yeah i liked reading uh i somewhere along the way you like uh, your pictures being sketched out for you yeah that's exactly (laughs) yeah i like pencil drawings right yeah i think uh i think a friend of mine told me that if you read the wall street journal uh for three years or something like that it's about the equivalent to an mba i don't know where that where he came up with that i'll take it i have though, no yeah. idea but i said okay i'll read everything every section of the wall street journal and for, did you like did your ocd literally read it front to back i i began reading it back back when oh yeah yeah it it did I'm, I'm, I almost went skipped a section here. Uh, so I I uh, would would I usually read back to front. It's really weird. I don't I, I read. I don't you read know books. Yeah. I, I read backwards a lot of times. Um, in in magazines, I do that all the time. I start in the back and I go uh-huh. and I go left, and then I come back to the front, and then I go back forward through it. Yeah, and I go back through it again, yeah. and I kind of pick through what I want to read, and then I then I kind of go back to and I kind of hierarchy. I think uh, the articles along the way, so I don't I don't I get what I really want out of it. And if there's something else that intrigues me, I keep moving along. Yeah. Uh, with what an interesting mind and machine you got upstairs. Yeah. It's really it's fascinating. It's, uh, the way your mind works was is is it hard on you? Yeah. It is, huh? Yeah. At times it is. Like it's you're hard, plagued it's hard by to, it. Hard to be hard to be social sometimes with people. Yeah. Hard to connect. Yeah. No, definitely. It's a. Uh, it's uh, you know. 
fully critical at times and uh because you're constantly looking at things and and uh and you expect a lot out of everything and mm-hmm. uh so yeah is no. it easy to work for you it's easier when I back away. Yeah, yeah. And I've had to learn how to do that. And uh-huh. uh, I would say that uh, most... It must be rewarding I, to work for you. I imagine you learn a ton. I like to say that, you know, I take a three-year course and try to cram it into to three months. And, yeah. and uh, But that's because I'm trying to make more of everything and everybody and and to my own detriment a lot of times and because it's just i'm I'm doing too many things i I have it's hard to stay proficient in flying right without you know and so i have to stay at there's one level there but but when i put the headset on and flying and i and i start the engine my brain clicks over and it becomes a a solo event it's just this thing that i do and and uh, it's very peaceful and I mean, the headset you have on now is not unlike what you would wear in a in an airplane can you give me a little bit of you know jargon or whatever you would say as if you're like leaving san luis obispo or paso like fourteen four hundred five you know what what, what, would you, what do you say give me an idea i would say uh so tower centurion 717 mike tangos ready for takeoff runway 29 right turn out and then i would say what you would say stern 717 delta kilo you cleared runway 29 right, right, right turn out approved right turn out approved and then i would say all right clear for takeout runway 29er and i would say and you would not say anything oh okay and then you would say in a minute you would say uh well depending on what what how i was flying you might say uh Centurion 717, uh, Mike Tango, contact departure on 127.72. Damn. Or something like that. I don't yeah. Know. I, don't, I don't know all that. No, but I mean, obviously, like, it's just, it was really, really cool. I've always, yeah. like, wondered that. So fast forward me, Trevi, to you're working with Justin Smith and you're doing, you start right, Lene Colotto? That's a big fast forward. Okay, here we oh, go. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, we, we get so, rid of so, Wild so, Horse so, and so, we get rid of... Um, I, was at, I was at Justin and so so I left Justin then I came back, decided that I really, after surfing and stuff, that I really did love the wine industry and I was not going to go into the pharmaceutical industry or do any other thing because I would not, I was not going to fit in. I was already, I was already too involved in the wine industry at that point that I couldn't do that. But I wanted to figure out a way to actually start something because making, making the amount I was making wasn't going to get it done and I didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel I uh came back to Justin Winery and uh, Justin Mullen brought me back and it was exciting and I was pretty live and uh, annoying probably at that point but uh, that lasted about, about I don't know two to three months so you're only back for a couple months. Only back, and then and then I uh, and, and why'd you leave? I left because I was a firecracker. Because it was time. It was yeah. it was right. I I I had to depart. I think they let me depart. Maybe I think Steve let me depart. Two one nine or permission to depart. Yep, cleared cleared for takeoff. Cleared for takeoff. Yeah, so I uh, I went straight from there over to Wild Horse and uh, and uh, said, hey, you guys have any positions open? It was probably August. Kind of late in the season to yeah. leave in a winery. Not very cool, but um, they hired me right then and there. And you had a uh, reputation attached to you already. 
Yeah, probably a bad one. You think so? You got hired really. I, I mean, I, obviously they wanted to keep you at Justin. They, everyone had seen they had seen me drive forklift, and uh, because of bulk wine purchases that were made between Justin and, and Wild Horse back at the time, and so they had seen me moving barrels around, and they had a project I think for for moving barrels. When I went to uh, Wild Horse Winery, uh, when I started Justin Winery, there were about five thousand cases. We grew to about twenty five thousand cases. When I went to Wild Horse Winery, there were about 70,000 cases, and we were about to scale up. And so, uh, 1997, so there I was driving down Adelaide Road all the time in this flatbed truck with my dog sitting next to me in it, 1972 model thing, just had, had a split shifter in it, and the, and the propane uh, regulator that was up front would freeze up sometimes, so I'd have to pull over every now and then. It didn't happen all the time, but, but what I learned along the way were I learned a bunch of friends along the way. So, so I used to pull into Adelaide, and, and who was there at the time? But, but uh, Sean Munch. Sean Munch and... And um, Neil Collins. Neil Collins. And Neil Collins. So I met Neil Collins then, driving back and forth. I'd stop in there, say hello, and and uh, and moving barrels. So 60, 60 barrels a day, and and uh, it was just a, a a really cool experience when you grew up in 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 uh, a, a more. Uh, you know, when you grew up in the suburbs and and uh, San Diego, yeah, and then and then coming up here into this uh, the old Wild West, it was it was cool. Wow! So when I went to Wild Horse, they'd seen me moving barrels along the way. When I went to Wild Horse, I got a I got my own uh, semi truck driver, Ken Ruby, Stony Oaks Trucking, and we would move seventy two barrels in a in a in a flatbed load. And I would be bringing, and I had 2,000 barrels then stored between HMR and also up at, uh, down by San Luis Obispo. And so uh, I moved uh, 12,000 barrels into that concrete tilt-up that we built at Wilders. So now, Kenny might not like this. Kenny Volk? Yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, at that point, I felt like I, 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 contr- I was driving so much forklift that I controlled the loading dock a bit. I controlled the warehouse spacing and where things were putting, be- being put. So I had an opportunity to make wine. So, so uh, one night we were over at Chris Cherry's house and uh, we were talking about making wine. And I was talking about how I was going to finally buy some fruit. I was going to finally buy my first fruit. In, and uh, it was Barnell Vineyard. Uh, Justin had planted that vineyard. It was like one of his early, uh, Justin Smith, that was one of his early consulting jobs, planting that vineyard. It was like Merlot and uh, Zinfandel, I think, out there. And, and uh, we were talking one night about that all happening. And then uh, I think Chris Cherry said, you guys should go together. You guys should put your, Justin and I should, should put our minds together and, and do this. And and uh, probably a week or so prior to that, uh, we had, Justin had showed a, a map of uh, of all the soils on the USGS. And, and he and he showed like soil 153 is Linne Coloto. And I remember saying, that's a really cool name. That would be a cool name for a winery. And when we decided to team up together and we said, what should we call it? Justin said, we should call it Linne Coloto. And that's where it came from. And, uh, and that's how Linne Coloto got born. And uh, it was a, it was a great, thing how many vintages did you guys do together we did the uh 98 99 2000 vintage together okay so three vintages together and then and then what happens i mean well i mean is it is it the story of like the band breaking up what was it like it was my best experience and worst experience in the sense that i i had a friend and i uh 
We do that. And uh, I became a business partner. Be careful with the cork on that one. Oh, okay. It's, it's old. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, yeah. So being best friends with your business partner was proved to be tough. Yeah. It, here, yeah. Because, see, when I worked at Wild Horse, I got kicked all the, all the shit. Cool. It, was, it meant that I had to do all the work. I had to stay late and do all the custom work for everybody else. Everyone, my, one, of my, one of my priorities with, with uh, Kenny Volk allowing us to make wine after hours was that we made wine after hours. Like, literally made wine after hours. So everyone else leaves, and we make wine. Because I was a member of a team there. I was a member of, of the cellar, right? And I didn't want to... I, I wanted to uh, not intrude on that space and that, 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 that... I didn't want anybody working for us, mm-hmm. doing our work. Mm-hmm. I knew how to do that work already, and, and it wasn't their job to clean up after me. So they would clean up everything, and then we'd restart and, and use the destimmer. I'd clean the red press, and then I'd refill it. Because I didn't also want to cross-contaminate anything. I wanted it to be Lenny Coloto and not Wild Horse Lenny Coloto. It was, it, was, it was really important to me at that time. And, and uh, that was tough because that meant that we had a lot of late nights. Justin's an early morning person. And that means I, your I'm peak a, pool doesn't taste like Sauvignon Blanc. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a late night person. This is true. Um, I'm a, I'm a late night person, but I can I can go mornings too. But you know, we were we were pulling shifts like uh, like we're picking tomorrow morning at, at sunrise and and we're getting out of here at two in the morning when Man. when harvest was going along and I'd already pulled a full day too right so that was I mean it was a it was a strange time because you know Matt Gerritsen was making wine then mm-hmm. and uh, so I got kicked all that because he was always on the road he was always on the road making. You know, uh, selling wine. He was brand manager for Wildcore, mm-hmm. so he was always on the road during harvest time. And uh, you know, I'd have to punch down those wines and and uh, always press everybody's wine because I was the red press boy at that point, and right. I would press you know sixty tons of Wild Horse uh, fruit a day and in a little five and a uh, I guess that was a almost seven ton press, something like that, maybe five ton, and uh, we'd roll it, we'd roll fruit through it all day long. Sure, and uh, then. Uh, that was, I mean, it was it was a great experience, but it was uh, it was just very tough under those circumstances. Yeah, but I also had access. You know, Justin had amazing vineyard, and he was a grower and uh, second generation, and uh, a wealth of knowledge as his father, a hedonistic home winemaker uh, that produce the best uh the best juice in town by 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 my belief it's uh it's just uh something hard to follow but also a desire for myself to have a chance to do it myself and try yeah and, who, and who was I'm the competitive you know i i, I think, whether those competitive conversations between you and justin who, who, who what was the impetus was it him wanting to be solo you wanting to be solo How, do, you, do you talk about who keeps the name oh yeah yeah, no, was, that these was, all tough conversations. That was not very much fun. That time of that period of time was was uh, not a fun period of time in my life. It's uh, it's uh, actual probably one of the least uh, favorable times in my life. Really? Um, yeah, because see, we're I was too immature and and to know. Um, you know, I'm fighting for everything. I had yeah. nothing, and and uh, and. I feel really connected to the wine because I, I feel like I've done a lot on it and I've, and I've done a lot of work that isn't seen. Um, 
to make it happen, you know, to appease the appease Kenny Volk and, and you know, to, to to make sure it's all right. And I and I was just, you know, running on on uh, coattails, I guess, in a way. And and uh, I I really think that um, in the end, I wanted to build. A, I, I I was able to to get this property with uh, with help of my wife. And a first homeowner's loan, and I wanted to build. But in order to build, we had to be able to finance. In order to build anything, we needed to figure out ways to move to get money. And I didn't have any, so I had to figure out ways. Well, the only thing I had was Lene Coloto. So I, I need my partner to, to, to participate in that. But he wants to make it at his house. And I want to make it in my house. He doesn't want to work at my house. I don't want to work at his house, which is totally cool. But but immature I was, you know, in the sense of not being able to balance it correctly and, and say all the right things along the way. And so I feel like uh, um, I feel like a lot of people got involved in it that shouldn't have been involved. It was like small town stuff. I was like, what in the world's going on here? Like this is between two of us. Just leave it alone. And uh, that's kind of that kind of sucked to see that, but in the end, you know, uh, he's he's my brother. You know, he's my brother from another, and uh, I, you know, love him dearly. He's uh, he has done very, very, very well. I think we left it that I wanted to be able to do the same things. You know, drive tractor and and uh and plant vineyards and do all that and and uh with justin i wasn't going to be able to do that in in one way because because he had it taken care of and i was just going to be the winemaker and i didn't really want to do that because i really wanted to do it all because my brain just well, he had the estate already there this was something that he was going to start taking over and so right so if you you're saying well you're saying look i want to i want to drive through these rows that are my own and i just can't under this relationship so like unfortunately at some point you guys make the decision that we have to we have to do it on our our own separate yeah i it happened did you want to keep the name or did you want to keep the name how'd it go i wanted to keep the name i wanted to keep the wines i wanted to keep it going yeah i want you know i'm not i'm not one for closure very easily i'm I'm one to fight it out and and uh was it tense for a little while oh yeah you know look I, i have siblings Oh sure. Um, I have you know these things happen. Yeah, and uh, you you make up and 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 you you, you hug and, and it's all good. All and uh, I always wanted it to be like that. And, yeah, and uh, it was always distracted by uh, numerous others. I felt like in the community and uh, which was frustrating. The one to chirp. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, everyone, it's like, it's like, you know, squawk, squawk, it's squawk. like, uh, housewives of, of Orange County. Yeah, are, it's like the, are, the real, the real bros of, uh, Paso Robles. Yeah, it's like, I was like, <laughs> the real wine bros. <laughs> you know, I just want to make wine, man. I just want to, I just want to learn. I, I'm not going to, you know, don't hold me to, a, to, to, like, plant a vineyard and it's going to be perfect. It's not. It's going to take me time. You got to give me, you got to give me a decade. Got to give me a, a, two decades, but I'm working on it. And I'm going to keep working on it and I'm going to keep trying to perfect it and make it better and better and better and learn from each experience. I've planted things in cold areas. I've learned my lessons. Should I have taken, taken the advice of others uh, along the way? Probably. But I'm one that learns by doing things and don't mind the setbacks. Yeah. I feel like I learn more from it and 
grow and make better decisions along the way. That's a really cool story. And it's, I mean, I appreciate you being so candid because that's such a cool aspect that I think people would love to have a deeper understanding of. And I don't think until now uh, they did. And I mean, you look at both the brands now, you know, I mean, Saxum, Linux Colodo, uh, it's, yeah. they're, they're, they're both great stories. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a, uh, it's been a wild ride. And, and, uh, I always feel like, you know, look, I am first generation. I, uh, I don't have the right to be, to be the maestro, to be, to be, to be the best yet. I don't, I don't think that, that anyone does uh, when they come out of the gate and, they might claim to be. They might have great marketing and great, great, great stories that they tell people about how how uh, perfect they are. But but for me, it's it's not about that. It's about it's about being real and 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 that that struggle of farming and and uh, learning and planting and and experiencing and and t- and then making those wines and 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 ex and. Being able to share the wines with people when you bring when you make them and they they have passion in them that's that's what I want to do in winemaking. That's I mean that's that's what means the most to me. This is a 1998 yeah. Nene Colodo James Berry Vineyard. Yeah, ninety percent Syrah, five Grenache, five Maved. This was made by you and Justin. The back of the bottle. I've yeah. never seen this before. A partnership of the Smith and Trevis and families. Yep. Templeton, California. That was a long time ago. What do you think when you drink this wine? And I have to apologize because someone is so, I feel deliberate and just like, and I'm not, you know, I don't mean anal in a, in a bad way, but like you seem like you're very particular. And for me to kind of ruin this cork, I feel like it may be messing with your head. Not at all. You're so nice. Thank you. Cause I feel uh, so embarrassed that uh, I did that. <laughs> uh, not at all. So no, it's, 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 uh, what, 20, 23 years ago, right? I mean, so it's a lot, it's an old cork. It's, uh, it's, things don't stay forever. The wine so. tastes great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's fun to revisit. When we made these wines back then, yeah, I can remember uh, Justin. You know, he knew more than me. He, knew, he got to choose the pick dates. This is part of my whole learning experience, right? So, so like, I'm a winemaker, but but I don't get to choose the pick dates really. So, because he's it's his vineyard. It's his it's his. He's got it down. He's been doing it with his with his family, and I want to do that. Mm-hmm. That sounds like fun. And I can't do that unless I do it myself. Yeah. Um, for for this wine, it's 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 just a, a, a liquid photograph of, of a time period of an experience that we had, a journey and a, a starting point. And it means a lot to me to see it every every uh, so often. And not much of it's left. But how many bottles have you got of this left? I probably eight, maybe. Wow. I kept a lot back then. I kept I kept a lot back because I was like, you know, oh, I wanted to see it. Like, like you got to keep enough so you can watch because I've never understood how people can say how long a wine lasts, especially when I was younger. Like, how how am I supposed to know when I'm 20, 20, I was 26 years old when I made this wine. How am I supposed to know how long it lasts? I barely have been drinking wine for, for what? Uh, Six years. Since 19, since I was 19 or so. Yeah, right, yeah. But I didn't really understand it much. No, and, sure. And really didn't. So I'd been drinking it for like four or five years, seriously looking at it and examining and looking at it from 
you know, once I started at Justin and started looking at the fermentation process and what does it mean? How much tannins, too much tannin, how much do you have to aerate it to soften it? What, what, how are you managing the tannins? And I don't still under, I still don't understand it. I'm 20, 26 years into it and I'm still trying to figure it out. What are the f- emotions that run through your, your heart and thoughts that go through your head when you do get to time travel with a bottle like this right now? It's special. It's super special. It's like, um, it's like, um, uh, it's just, I mean, it's just a blast to the past, right? It's a hot tub time machine. It's, uh, it's <laughs> everything about, uh, periods in our life and, and what was happening. And it is important to revisit them sometimes. And, but also to realize that, you know, time moves forward. Is it important to revisit them to, to kind of revisit that time in your life away from, I mean, I know you're a numbers guy, you're a scientist, or is it important to revisit them, you know, to see where, you know, the, the tannins are or the, the fruits are, where the phenolics are? That's a great question. I, I think, when we made these wines in, in uh, 1998, people, th- we thought we were going overboard. Oh my God, we're picking this so ripe. It was 26.8 bricks. Wow. Everything was being picked at 24.5. And, and, uh, but what the, the strategy here was, you know, the, the Aussies had had a lot of really big wines and, uh, were, the tannins were a lot softer and the wines were, were really approachable early on. I think it was this idea of where is physiological ripeness and we began to 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 slowly ratchet it up and it it ratcheted up fast by the way it it didn't just stay at 26.8 it went 27 29 it just it kind of kind of grew and the seeds got got riper and the tannins got softer in the wines and and some of that has to do with soils and and the way you're farming so like a lot of the the dry farms that that I'm taking care of now the acids are really really high like so high that I end up I end up waiting on the fruit. The sugar's climbing up. I don't have a way to slow it down. I'm not going to irrigate it, but I'm waiting for the acid to start to catch up. And uh, the acid's you know way high acidity, and I'm just waiting for it to mellow out so the wine's a little more palatable. And uh, that can that can take a while to see a wine like this and how it aged tells me that there's something that I'm missing today. And that maybe I can find it again. Um, but I think that if I made a wine like this one tasted today, that half of my consumers, I mean, maybe I'm being exaggerating here, but um, I feel like they would say, oh. Too extracted, too passo. Too no, it wouldn't be extracted enough. Oh. This wine was not extracted. Oh, this wine was very, this okay. This wine was leaner. This was High this acid. higher acid. Okay, okay, that's okay. That's why okay. it's aged so well. Okay, that's okay. Why it's, that's why it's such a beauty. So, so the seed tannins weren't as developed, but it's aged really well. And that's why when we look back in Paso and like look at even some of the old Australias that yeah. I had that, that Gary made, yeah. those are really cool. Those are really cool to see because it's like, oh, look at this. Like, um, you know, I don't know, 12, 12, 8 alcohol maybe. And, and, uh, and you can imagine that the acidity level at that level mm-hmm. from where it was picked would have been appropriate for that ripeness and that that helps with that ageability. And too often we see today wines that are picked by sugars and the acid falls out and the, and the, uh, what they, you don't have an ageable wine. Well, or they just sit there and they throw back a bunch of tartaric at it and, yeah. and bring it back. 
to life. And that's not my game plan. I don't add anything to our wines. We, we blend and we plant varieties that have acid and ones that don't have acids and, and we use them accordingly, but there's no, there's no chemistry manipulation, um, by, by, you know, um, solid powders or anything. There's, it's all just finding the right grapes that go together and, and making it, making it work. That's exciting. Yeah, yes, that's that's what wakes me up in the morning. The theme of this episode, beyond just you know, getting to know you and stuff, was these old school blends. I mean, you have always loved the idea of blends. Yeah. And when we were on the hill, you took us up uh, in your truck, and we were looking at all your vineyards, and you're like, "Oh, this south facing thing, and then this west facing thing, and then you see beyond that, that's the southwest facing thing." And it, it and then you seem to love the idea of what all of these things do together. Yep. Yep, and that that property we were on is at thirteen hundred and fifty feet, and then this property where the winery's at it's only at eleven hundred feet, and so you have a two hundred foot difference in elevation. It changes ripening by almost two and a half weeks. Wow! And so by just doing that, so the growing season here is even shorter because because it's it's sucked into the 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 late spring frost season and the early fall frost season now. Lately, we've been getting these fall freezes in uh, the early weeks of uh, November, and it's kind of been encroaching even into uh, October a few times into the middle there. I've run my wind machine once, I think, in the last uh, couple of years. How does someone like you who loves the blends, obviously loves the expression of year to year, no two years that Mother Nature gives you are the same, but, you know, Lene Colodo, I mean, you have fans... Uh, you know, some people in L.A. or here or there, or Psalms that, that, you know, expect to, that sticks and stones, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get, you know. Yeah, you're going to, sticks and stones, you're going to get the best Grenache I grew that year. You're going to get the best Grenache I grew that year that I can find through all the vineyard blocks I have, and that's what sticks and stones is. So that's how you kind of do it. Like, so the names, but but do people ever try and pigeonhole you oh, yeah. into like, oh, well, Lene Colodo should taste like this. Absolutely. Sticks and stones should taste like this. Yeah, absolutely they do. They, they, that tough? Know, oh, yeah, yeah. I think that you have to give all music a listen and all wines a taste and make the judgment because there is no right or wrong place for any grape. It's just, you know, it's all subjective. Give um, all music a listen and all wines a taste. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's important. It's can't be closed-minded on this stuff. And, and when you begin to come closed-minded and say that that balance occurs at one focal point, that's not true. It was interesting. I was talking to Justin Smith in the last episode, and we were talking about the 07 uh, that got 100 points, and it, it won all kinds of, like, number one. It was a big wine. It's interesting because I asked him, like, what went into that wine, and he's like, it's funny because, you know, you pick it in 07, you're doing this, you're doing that, it sits till, you know, 09 or whatever, and then later on, you know, maybe in 09 or 10, you, you get this crazy score, and then you're like... But I, I haven't even made wine that way in the last several years. So do you ever go back, like, or you, maybe you get some press and go, well, shoot, do I, do I want to recapture that? How can I recapture that? Is it possible to recapture that? Am I, am I worried that I'm going to start making wine for the people who are tasting it and scoring it rather than for me? Or you ever struggle with these things? I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't want to make wine for other people. I want to make wine for myself. If uh, if you don't enjoy it, it, I have to drink it myself. So yeah, it's like uh, true that. I I just think that that um, make what you believe in, and 
stand by it. Paso has changed so much, you know, in the 26 vintages that you have been here. I mean, when you see, and I don't know how social you are, how often you get out for dinners and check out what the life is like downtown and how your fingers on the pulse of downtown might be. I mean, I don't know, but you definitely know that it's been growing around you. Oh, it's been growing around me. Yeah, no, it's, uh, so, uh, my, my, uh, history in Paso is that, you know, I working at Justin Winery, Chris Cherry, Via Creek, mm-hmm, uh, sat at my table, winemaker dinner. Yeah. And, uh, that's how I met Chris and Joe. They, they introduced me to my wife, Maureen. Oh, how cool. And, uh, yeah, very, very small world around here. And then, uh, I introduced, uh, Chris and Joe to Justin and Heather Really? And then, wow. And then, you know, it's just a, it's a tight little community. And then, you know, Laurent and Bistro Laurent there, mm-hmm. uh, he was our executive chef at Justin when I was there. Wow, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, so we left at the same time. We had the same going away party. And uh, when we, the first time I left. First time I left. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they didn't throw me one the second time. Was <laughs> well, they wanted you to stay. That was really weird. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gosh, uh, yeah, Paso's changed so much. I tell people there were like 26 wineries when I started, and now there's 300 and something. And, and I don't know them all. I, I, sure. I just don't get out enough. I need to get out more. Maybe we should go travel around. I'm down. Yeah, go see some things. I, maybe you and I should do a little travel thing. Yeah, there you we go. Just go out and get it. Yeah, just yeah, go, go hit it. Go, go taste. Yeah, I mean, do you I, like cocktails? I, I used to do. I, yeah, I love cocktails. I used to do some uh, incognito stuff. So, so uh, Carl Wicca, who worked with me at Wild Horses over at Turley, used to pick us up in in an old motorhome that uh, Scotty Welcher, who was uh, oh, over at Opal, rest in peace. And uh, yep, 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 yep. I Ch- love Scotty. Ch- Chase works for us here. Uh-huh. Oh, does he? Yeah, Chase Welcher. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yep, yep, yep. So it's good. To, oh, that's cool. It's, uh, yeah, Scotty it's, was it's, a great guy. He was so nice. Yep. Yeah, he uh, taught me a lot. Taught me a lot in those those days. I mean, That's cool. When you come to Lene Coloto, first of all, I'm I'm guessing you're by appointment. Uh, we are by appointment. Yeah, yeah. But we also have Slacker Bar in the back now. Yeah, that someone so, could just roll up to and. Yep, yep. If we added that because you know Slacker is my alter ego. It's my it's my uh, it's the opposite. Uh, it's kind of it was a brand that I started back in uh, 2003 and ran as a Lene Coloto wine for for um, quite a while there. I don't know seven years or something like that. So Lene Coloto is on the corner of 46 and Vineyard, 46 West and Vineyard. And it's a magical place. I mean, you're not more than just a mile or two off the freeway. So your quick access, you can, you know, get off Vineyard Drive if you're coming north and even cut the chase and come here even quicker. Yeah. And now you have a brand new traffic circle, which I yeah. imagine you must love. I, I, you know, it's what better, do you think it, of it? It's better than a, uh, than the, it's better than a, a streetlight. I'll tell you that because I, my, my, I, I, I say it this way is that you have the option of, uh, eventually, hopefully they take the stop signs down and make them yields. Yeah. But, but you know, at nighttime you can just drive right through that thing. You don't have to stop. Yeah. And, and and if you have the option not to stop through an intersection, I want that. Yeah, good point. I mean, I don't. So want you literally to. can say you are at the traffic circle because right from the traffic circle you could see your fence and your sign, yeah. and you literally are on the corner of Forty Six and Vineyard. It's a great location. We're gonna put a big sign in the middle of the circle there. Yeah, that says Lenny Cloto on it. It's gonna spin around. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, this one's cool because it's not your typical traffic circle. Like they're gonna do something in the middle. Like that middle is like it's yeah, like a little took, island. They just took a, a uh, mold of myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be like a little. Yeah, <laughs> you holding. Know. Pointing to the, the fence, the gate. That's right. How often are you in the vineyards? Uh, every day. Every day. Yeah. 
What, what vineyards were you wasn't in wasn't always like that. Yeah. And uh, there were times where, where I was too busy. I was traveling on the road, and I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. I didn't know I didn't enjoy it. I thought that was how you're supposed to do in this industry, that you're supposed to just uh, put on put on your marketing hat and go That's out the there. It's the Mandavi in you. And, it's and, it's like the, you know. And travel and sell go, wine. Go, go do that. But but what I really loved in this industry was, was working with my hands and being on the ground and driving forklift and and doing everything and it's uh it took me a while covid might have put me back into that that and made me realize that i really uh was missing something i loved in in the wine industry and and i uh, was trying to go the wrong direction for a while there and does the demand of your wine help you and allow you to you know maybe not say yes to every market visit maybe not say yes to every winemaker dinner pitch to you by a distro uh, does, does the, the fact that Lene Coloto is a popular brand make it where you can be a little more choosy uh no because it's not that's i don't want to go on the road i just don't want to push a product on people i want people to want it and i want to make it i want to make it my way and if i'm making too much for them to like it then i need to make less if i need to if if uh if i can't make enough then i then i plant more and i keep going and uh that's where i'm at there's so many cool stories of these paths that were crossed and, and your paths. And, you know, we call the podcast where wine takes you. Gosh, Trevi, where wine has taken you. Yeah. It's so exciting because these paths are just like unreal. I mean, they're almost, they're almost 30 years old. They're just unreal. They're so fascinating. Yeah, it's really, they're really, uh, really cool. And, you know, just uh, the people I've met along the way and, and uh, from from meeting John Munch early on oh, to to uh, Neil Collins. And, oh my God! And uh, like two other two unique breeds of just crazy genius fun men. Like yeah. I mean, just like I remember my first interview with John Munch. I w- it was in studio, which I I would I would have wished it would have been you know maybe like at his place or something. And I was just I hadn't interviewed him, so I was so excited to. And John Munch, of course, Adelaida, um, of course now from you know La Cuvier, but he's got his music stuff. He's got like he's just such a an open mind and funny and irreverent and I, goodness the philosophy yeah. in winemaking versus the the science it's just that's what is mesmerizing to me and i love that i love the si- to- it's interesting because the science part of you loves you, that yeah yeah because you you think i'm all science but, i do but it's a balance because yeah. i'll throw out quantitative numbers at times but I'm a really a qualitative person. I just like to work with it, but I like to understand what those quantitative numbers were at that point. Mm-hmm. I can't manipulate them because that's just not who I am. I just kind of have to live with them and mm-hmm. what they are, but I like to kind of keep some sort of some sort of idea in my brain and you know between between munch and paul draper at, at ridge i mean those were early people that were philosophers that were making wine how can philosophers make wine that's cool that's Super really cool. cool so anybody i mean everyone can make wine and 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 you can approach it different ways and it's been made for 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 Ever. thousands yeah and, yeah right. since the beginning of collecting grapes yeah that's what's so beautiful about this business it just is yeah so i mean there were times where uh neil collins is a fascinating person too really fascinating i've, yeah. I've had a lot of really really great conversations with him over the over the years and he uh, and mca were a great conversation i bet i had to put it in two episodes i bet i mean have to do it with this yeah yeah he's uh we'll bring him in yeah we'll right bring him in to, 
would yeah, be so what, fun. What, what I wanted to tell you about about Neil Collins and and also you know Chris Jerry, my favorite thing about them is that I got to take both their kids and uh, and show them a little bit of my world of winemaking as interns for me. And that was that to me is that second generation being able to teach, being able to kind of pass along some thoughts and and uh, you know I'm not the easiest person to probably work with and try to accelerate everything really fast and and don't have a lot of time for goofing off sometimes but uh you know it's uh to take uh to take austin collins who's at topless creek now and and show him some things that was really fun and i told him during covid like i missed out on teaching him all of the vineyard stuff because i was so like i was so still busy when when he worked for me and then uh had camille cherry also who you know i've known since since uh she was probably yeah, three sure. years old or yeah. something and and uh that's that was pretty cool to see and to pass on information because that's that's the future of paso for me and i think my kids need that too and i'm a you know i'm gonna call up i'm gonna ring ring up uh mr collins and say hey i got one for you next and, chapter for Lene colota what do you think are we doing anything you know, playing uh, with anything weird or what uh we're gonna plant some more here i, I i've left out uh i learned a lesson i think uh and and uh i'm stealing this from from terry and pebble i think and uh you know i've left some property to plant and I want my kids to plan it. I want I want them to see it. If they decide they want to go into the industry, I want them to help um, design, lay out a vineyard block. And wow. I think it's important to it's a beautiful to, gift. to put their put their their hands in the dirt and decide that that's what they want to do. And that's not just giving it to them and saying, "Here's a winery for you to manage." And 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 wow, look at that! It's it's no here. Here you go. This is how we do it, and this is you're gonna have to take care of these vines, and and you know I'll coach along the way of what I've learned now. But back in I the did, day, but that, I didn't know when I first started. Right but now, I get to coach, and and I didn't take a lot of coaching. When but back I, in the day when Pebble was doing this, I mean, like Justin showed me that business card, that almost like a little four by six business card that Pebble would give out, and be like, "Hey, we're growing grapes, and you call this number, we'd love to sell you some grapes." You know, and it's like now, I mean, like yeah, the truck said, "Grapes are us." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, with, the, with, the, with the license plate on. The <laughs> on the blue track it was like it said uh, grapes are us but you are giving not only your kids the opportunity for something that obviously will require them the toolage to get down and dirty and, and get to it but you know, you've got land on the west side next to Lene Colodo planted fruit I mean like this could be an incredible opportunity do they even understand the weight of what that gift may be at some point no no, because uh, because they're born and raised here, and uh, to them it's just normal. And for me, I I was you know raised in a cul-de-sac, and and for them, it's uh, it, it's it's it'd be best to have my daughters here and ask them. They're the older ones. We'll and have to. My later. son, my son has uh, probably some perspective on it too. I think that as their friends come over and say what. And then as they're, as I'm slowly teaching them about like what we do as a family, that they're beginning to see it, but I don't expect, I don't want to force it on them. It's not my job to force it on them. It's, it's my, you know, I'm supposed to be just a nurturing parent that shows them the ropes. (laughs) I like to take them down and show them how to do mechanical stuff at times. And, but you know, it's not like you have to do this, but it's like, why don't you grab the welder here? And I got an extra helmet here and we'll just learn what we're doing. Let's learn this. Yeah. We'll lay it down and you can just try it. So one day when you decide you have something you need to fix, 
you'll kind of go, well, I bet I could go and grab all this equipment. Dad showed me how to do this. And ask a couple questions and go do it and start learning for myself how yeah. to be more proficient. It mixed what Dad it. taught me, mixed with the YouTube video I can watch. You got yourself a solution. Yeah. I so, love it. Has this been fun for you, this conversation? It's been great. It's nice to get it all out and uh, and to talk about it. And there's a lot more there. But uh, yeah, I it's know. been I really, totally really spectacular. Like, I don't think I've ever had a, a longer conversation that I, I honestly, I could go two more hours with you i love this and still wonder how much of the surface i've just scratched yeah yeah, we're barely there but it's all it's it's uh you've done a great job and uh appreciate the questions and it's uh it's really fun to to watch paso and and to see where it's going to go it's i mean it's just it's it's uh it seems to be accelerating i got i got new friends here now that are they're all doing wineries and uh and uh better sit back and put on our seat belts is paso going to be i know justin kind of pioneered these a while back and of course we can do single varieties so beautifully and varietal wines well but is um paso going to be known for the blends it's all about the blends here, isn't it? For me, it is because that's what sustainable means. It means that uh, that you blend things. But everyone knows the Cabernet. Everyone knows that, and they go to restaurants and they they're unsure of their wine knowledge, and they say Cabernet. I'll take Cabernet, or they take Chardonnay, and and uh, smart. It's smart to make those wines. It's uh, but for me. It's not about it's not about that. It's about having opportunity, and I think the varietals that fit here with the temperature and the climate today are are the Mediterranean varietals. And as we look into the future and look, you know, not not ten years, but but look twenty to fifty years in the future, what are the varietals that we're going to need to be growing here? And I've been doing just a lot of experiments with Grenache and uh, some with Tempranillo, a little bit of Carignan and and uh, and you know Mataro, Maved. And it's like, for me, those those are uh, gonna be my core varieties. And some of them, some of them hurt a little bit in the sun. And uh, I'm trying to trying to farm them differently, just trying to keep a little more shade on them, um, but not trying to go to shade cloth. I don't think I I see a lot of people doing shade cloth these days. And I've tried it, and it works absolutely works. But I think that that maybe black or white. Uh, I did black on on a block of Graciano, and mm-hmm. I had it, and I cut the Graciano off. The Moved that's in the same spot now that's right. grafted on probably will see the same fate on the uh, on the western side. But um, you know, my my plan there is just to not be so aggressive on leaf pulling and trying to keep as much canopy on it, so I can use just a natural plant to keep my myself away from the sun as as best i can there's little things like that that are going to change over the next uh next years of farming and i'm not really sure i mean other than building a biosphere around everything (laughs) i love the fact that you were so just so open and talking to you is so much fun it's so edifying because you're so real and you're you're such a great conversationalist matt it was really really fun to talk to you and i hope that if you enjoyed your conversation with me half as much as I did with you then I must have done an okay job because this has been so much fun I had a great time great great time yeah where wine takes you is literally about this so this one, is one day we'll put the, all the boys together and we'll uh, we'll have a big big party <laughs> don't tempt me who would be there who's at that round table who are we talking about well, I well I mean Justin will be there of course Mark Adams will be there Neil Collins will be there uh, Chris Cherry will be there that sounds yeah, dangerous and, that sounds like one, one of the best am I missing somebody in there maybe? I don't know I don't but, know but that's I mean I probably won't get a word in because <laughs> Because I'm, I'm like the young one in it, right? So I never get a word in. It's like a bunch of big brothers all, all 
keeping me quiet. From the 98 James Berry Vineyard to this cherry red, uh, the 2011 Overthinker, Sticks and Stones from 13, which is just as like, you know, coming out of that cold, wet year of 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, hot, dry, yep. beautiful vintages that are coming from Paso at that time. Yeah. This is really some special wines you decided to open here. So oh, thank I, you. I'm so, I, I couldn't even tell you, this is like Christmas in June, my brother. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Where wine takes you, brother. Thank you. So give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on around till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. Unreal. Can't thank Matt Trevison enough for the authentic, candid, and just real conversation that he allowed us to have. He let us in on so much and what makes this podcast and this area unlike any other. That's illustrative of it right there. Well, more incredible episodes like this are on the way. Can't wait to share more. Next time you're making your way to Paso Wine Country, make sure you hit up PasoWine.com. Follow them on Insta at Paso Wine. Original music here, Good Company, performed by our friends at Moonshiner Collective. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo. The show is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Next time you're cruising around the Central Coast, you can hear me on your radio, my weekday morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, heard on Coast 104.5 and Wine Country Radio. I want you to check out The Crush for the cork dorks and more. Check out The Crush. 92.5. You can even stream crush925.com. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Thanks for sharing your love for good wine, good stories, good people, and a love for Paso Wine Country. Can't wait to connect again. Until then, enjoy where wine takes you. And give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify, good company. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify, good company. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is out in the trees, we will simplify in good company. With that moonshine, we'll get by. We pass on round till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees, we will simplify in good company.